Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women thriving in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female carpenter as she interviews women around the country about the incredible variety of careers and financial opportunities for women in construction and the skilled trades. And now, your host, Camille Finan. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I have an amazing woman with us, Katie Williams, who um, works at a company, and but her Instagram handle is Hammer and Bell. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this interview. You really love her work. And um, so Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about kind of where you're located and your background and how you got into woodworking and um, sort of what your journey was to get here. Okay. Well, I am located in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I am originally from Kentucky. I decided to leave a very boring desk job and kind Yay. of uproot my life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, I found myself kind of daydreaming about people that did this kind of work and I decided one day to stop and just hurl myself into it. So I moved here when I was 28 um, to go to a school that taught traditional building methods. And I, I realized that was the best path for me because I really, um, I learned best in a structured environment. So that helped me. And I was also struggling to get into the industry I found that a lot of people weren't willing to hire me, not having any experience at all. And so I thought, well, if I go to school for this and I have a portfolio that no one can deny, then I should be able to get a job no matter what, um, which has mostly been been the case, you know. But so I've been in Charleston now for almost seven years and for which I've been full time at the company I work for now. And I'm still loving what I do. That's awesome. So you you mentioned uh, you know that there were some difficulties kind of getting into the trades and and how was your you know how was your experience at the school that you went to what did you learn what did you love about it um, and kind of what was that what was that like for you Yeah well I originally found the school because I was trying to I was considering a master's in historic preservation but I wasn't really interested in just writing about the work I wanted to physically do the work. And, um, so I found this school and I had some amazing professors and amazing hands-on education through traditional building methods with timber framing and carpentry. Um, unfortunately I had, uh, a negative experience at the school. It was kind of a toxic administration. And while I loved what I learned there, it, I unfortunately had to leave, mm. um, and that was very hard for me, but in doing so, I, I had started an internship at the company I work for now, and my boss at the time very much encouraged me, if I chose to leave, to, to come on full-time and work with him, and, and I did, and I've been happy ever since. So That's great. Do you, do you mind sharing just a little bit of your experience with what was sort of toxic and like how that, you know, how that manifested itself? Yeah, so I think um, sometimes 
some issues that we all, a lot of us have faced get lost in the bureaucracy of running something. So uh, I think I think the toxic administration just didn't handle my situation well. I had a professor that um, while I did very well in his class and he liked me as a student, uh, I had instances with him outside of class where he was aggressive, um, kind of got up in my face, uh, you know, said things like, you think you're special because you're a bleeping woman, you know, and kind of pushed me. And those were um, situations that I didn't know how to deal with at the time. And I was scared because he was in a position of power. He was threatening my grade. You know, he made me come back in and redo tests, even though I did well on them. There, there was a lot of, of small things that was like, well, I don't, especially in a male dominated field, I don't know how to be the only woman in this class and go talk to the administration. And I'm not sure how to handle this. And so I sat on it for a while and I, and finally my classmate and I went together to, to talk about my male classmate and I went together to talk about it with the administration and, you know, they heard us, but unfortunately they didn't remove the professor and I had requested, if nothing else, let me work on my own or work under a different professor. And they didn't really provide a viable option for me. And I felt like it wasn't a safe or suitable learning environment. And so, unfortunately, I had to leave. Um, and while I, like I said, I loved what I learned under the guidance of some of my professors there, um, the the school as a whole kind of broke my heart a little bit. So, you yeah, know, it sounds I, like I, it. I moved on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I can only imagine like how much, you know, how excited you were to go and just like how hopeful and then to have that happen when you've given up another yeah. career to do it. I can. Wow. That that would have been really yeah, tough. I, it was tough. I found the school, I think, in uh, 2009 online. And then I think by 2010, I finally worked up the nerve to go visit, but didn't actually attend it to, till 2013. And so this was my second round of going back to school and finally found what I, I felt like was my path. And it, you know, it, it didn't end perfectly, but it also opened up a lot of doors for me. And um, I think I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. for right now. So what, um, so kind of, can you describe some of the classes that you took and like the classes that you did really love and the sort of the techniques and skills that you were learning? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first two years, at least in the hands-on portion of this school, we focused on um, you, do, you kind of do two years where you learn the basics of carpentry and timber framing. And the first year uh, was just hand tools only. You didn't even really get on any machines the second year. You learn a lot of joinery and a lot of just the basics and the methodology that everyone needs to kind of root themselves in to be able to move forward and grow their skills. Um, and then after the second year, you can kind of choose between timber framing and carpentry. And I went the carpentry route because um, I, I loved the detailing and I loved how broad of, of work you could do. We also studied, you know, historic preservation. We studied material science and how materials degrade. We studied architectural design. We did hand drafting and drawing. So it was a really well-rounded program. And I think it prepared me for a lot of different areas in the industry. Um, so I have some some knowledge of historic preservation, and I have some knowledge of hands-on production type work, and I have some knowledge of design, and that kind of lets me be very flexible 
in this industry, I think. Wow, that sounds incredible. It sounds like a lot of really fun classes. What yeah, what do you think your what do you think your most fun classes? You do a lot of arch work, you do a lot of bending. Um, like so I'm not sure if that's maybe just you know specific to the employer that you work for, but I just am fascinated by that. I, everything I did in my kitchen yeah. shop was all completely right angles, you know, completely yeah. square cuts. And I just love all the arching that you guys do. Surprisingly, that wasn't really something we covered a lot in the uh, the school that I attended. Most of that uh, was stuff that I've learned under my direct supervisor, Nick Williams, um, at the company that I work for. He was a great mentor when I came in and he... He just, he, he taught me a lot, but he also trusted me to problem solve and kind of gave me the basics. And then the rest of it was just trial and error and just really paying attention to the details and, and trying to learn on my own time outside of work or class and trying to figure out the best way to make some of these arches. Um, and curve work is so fun. So that's something that I've really enjoyed growing in at the company I work for now. Yeah, I'll have to one day I'm gonna have you teach me how to do that because that looks like absolutely that looks yeah. like a ton of fun. And um, how long like what's the process of some of those arches, you know, radiuses that you do that are quite large? Like how many layers are you doing? And how is that? You know, is that over like a week? Is that over like three weeks? Is that over like a month period? Like how long is it actually taking to stretch and bend the some of the the radiuses that you do? Yeah, so it surprisingly isn't uh, doesn't take as long as you think. It hmm. we we do mostly so we'll we'll take strips of depending on the size of the arch, but we'll take strips of sapile veneers and we'll mill them down to an eighth inch, mm-hmm. and then um, once we have built a form, so we kind of underside we. We undersize the form so that you're overbending it depending on the size of oh, okay. the arch. So mm-hmm. if, it, if it's like a tight radius, you don't want to overbend it too much because this, you don't need as much spring back. Um, so the broader the, the arc, we, we might do a little bit more. But we're essentially doing veneers layered with West System epoxy and the that's the method that I've gotten good at. I know there's a lot of different ways of steam bending and mm-hmm. and and all kinds of different ways that that people do this. But the method that I learned was essentially you're stacking movable, you know, flexible material, and you just you're you're kind of wrestling it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, we we like to wrap it in epoxy and stretch it over the form. And my my favorite technique is just with ratchet straps because I feel like it keeps consistent pressure. I know some people do clamps with calls mm-hmm. to kind of transfer the pressure all the way around, but I have found um, that the best results have been with ratchet straps. And um, when you say so ratchet that, yeah. straps, can you describe what that is? Maybe I've seen it, but I'm um, not sure that's what those, it's So those big moving straps yeah. that you, you kind of, yeah. um, you wrap when people are bundling right. things on trucks Huh. Uh, m- mostly they're used for moving things. Yeah. We use them to hold our that... cabinets in place when we're moving kitchen yeah, cabinets yeah. around. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, it's just a giant belt that as you tighten it, you mm-hmm. know, the, the form is, is, right. is getting more and more secure and the, you're getting squeeze out and from the glue and you're, the pressures you're even. able to, yeah, you're able to get pretty even pressure and that allows the form to set hmm. well. And then, once that's set, at least a day, um, 
we kind of unwrap it, take it out. Um, hopefully it is a radius that you can run on the joiner very carefully. And mm-hmm. then we will rip it on the band or sorry, we'll rip it on the table saw. And a lot of times if it's a very large art, I have to get up on the table I saw. Know. I've seen you while it's being, <laughs> like while it's sketchy. Being fed. I'm like it's, sketchy. You know, we'll do like a a dry run, and yeah. it is you know if we weren't using a saw stop, and if if I wasn't right. working with coworkers that I trusted, and we practice it ahead of time, yep. that's you know that's not always included in the videos, but you know we we spend time making sure we're doing something as safely as we can, and right. it's interesting to see some of the some of the response I get if I'm doing, if I'm the only one in the video mm-hmm. versus if I post videos of my coworker doing the same thing, it's interesting. The criticism that I get from people that immediately assume I don't know what I'm doing. Of course. Um, and why is that? Uh, that uh, I think it's because is it you're I don't a have a penis. It's the penis factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's why. Yeah. Well, it is, it is quite, I mean, it is, you know, sketchy, not meaning not you know, someone that's not prepared or knows what they're doing, but it's sketchy in the sense that it's not a typical thing you would do on a table saw. And for anybody that works on them a lot knows just the power of a table saw can. Absolutely. uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that want to, you know, that message me and tell me safer ways to do it. And if I was a a hobbyist woodworker at home and I had endless time, that might be one way to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's lots of different ways to do things. And I'm not saying I know the the best or safest, but I will say that we put a lot of thought into what we do and, and we yeah. practice it. And, um, the, me being up on the table saw like that is trying to be safe because otherwise the nature of the weight of those arcs, he, oh, yeah. he wouldn't be able to pass it through safely. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, but they're, they're a lot of fun and I have really enjoyed learning a lot of curved work. Um, Blue laminations, bent laminations, things like that uh, have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And l- luckily, I work for a company where we have a really diverse client base. So we do mostly custom stuff, stuff you can't just go out and buy. Right. Or, so, you know, somebody just has a vision for something that, you know, they want a cylindrical vanity in their in their bathroom. And they come to us because I think first and foremost, we're problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, we we are woodworkers or carpenters or designers. Um, you know, I work for a company with a lot of different people there. So sometimes it's a collaboration and yeah, and that can be fun. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely, I love that you mentioned the hobbyist, you know, there's, there's a big difference between, I mean, I've gotten some pushback with things that I've posted and stories I've shared about my kitchen cabinet shop, but you know, there's a big difference between production, like work that has to get done in a certain mm-hmm. time period and that runs a company like, and you know, I had 14 women working for me and like, I don't have time to spend all day making a jig. Like there's just, there's yeah. so many things you do that's different in a shop when you're running a business that a hobbyist can take all day and post a thousand pictures on Instagram, mm-hmm. but that person's not making their living that way. Like they're being supported financially in a different way. So yeah. it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you there mentioned is a that because there's a big difference. So, um, and the other thing that we utilize a lot that I don't know that I highlight very much on my page, but we utilize a CNC for a lot of our forms. Right. And while I was taught traditional building methods and I was taught hand tools, mm-hmm. you know, my first year, everything we did, we cut by hand. Um, and I, I still value and use those, mm-hmm. those techniques. We still find that like, 
sometimes the CNC can just cut hours of jig making out. Yeah. And, and that is a resource that is a tool in our tool belt. And when I first started, I wasn't super keen on it because Mm -hmm. I came from a more traditional background, but I'm now I'm somewhere in the middle where I see where it can help us. And, uh, and it's so accurate. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it is, it is. And, and then again, but you still need to know how to know how to do the basics before you, you can really, even program the CNC to do what you want it to do. Right. Um, And I I also think there's just a difference in, you know, if you're getting into carpentry as a hobbyist, because it's taking your mind off of the rest of your life that you don't like or whatever, right? And you're going to sit in your garage. We all have friends mm -hmm. like that, right? Who are in their garage for, you know, hundreds of hours a month because they don't want to do something else, right, in their life. And they kind of just putter in the garage and they're, you know, there's like that aspect of it the people that just mm-hmm. obsess about getting into stuff and how long it can be. And that's like a ment- it's just something they enjoy doing, right? It's, it's a mental yeah. exercise doing carpentry. And then there's, you have to get shit done. There's jobs that have to be mm-hmm. built and get in and out yeah, all and the time. Budget. Yeah. Like, so it's, uh, and people, people fail to realize like how much, especially when you work for somebody else, even if you work for yourself, you have mm-hmm. a, you have a bigger overhead, you have to pay yourself an out hourly wage. And then there's, there's costs to run all these machines and to have insurance and, you know, all the things necessary means that you have to charge an overhead for these things to be able to be produced. And when you have a budget, it, it changes sometimes how you can, how you, how you do your production. Sometimes we have to work faster than we would if we were like, okay, what's the best way to do this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good. So tell me a little bit about, um, let's kind of switch gears and tell me a little bit about your experience in the industry in general. And like, you know, you, you said you, you chose this as a second career, you chose this on purpose and Mm -hmm. what has been, you know, what has been your experience? What do you think needs to change in this industry to have more women in it? Um, you know, what have you seen that is working or not working kind of what has been your sort of overall experience coming in, you know, as a fairly fresh face to this, right? Um, I think yeah. you said under, you know, under eight years, something like that, mm-hmm. kind of what's yeah. your, you know, what's your take on that? Well, so yeah, I, initially I was trying to just ask around to people that might apprentice me or might give me some side work so that I could learn. Um, I took shop class in middle school, but that was the only experience I had. You know, I'd watch my dad fix some things around the house. I might have helped him with something, but I didn't I didn't have any experience, not in carpentry really. So trying to find somebody that would take me on as green as I was and as a woman just wasn't happening. Um and I think I mentioned that. And my experience in the industry has been interesting. I have had a lot of people make comments to me that, you know, I guess are microaggressions, if you will. And I try not to make, I try not to focus on that too much because ultimately I'm just trying to do my job and trying to do what I love. But it has been frustrating to hear things like, oh, they're putting the receptionist to work today. And I actually had a guy while I was on site installing by myself, I had other coworkers who were there earlier, but I think they had left to do other things or they might've been at lunch, but I was, you know, had half of my body inside of a cabinet, you know, <laughs> fixing, so, fixing, I, I forget what, I, maybe I was fixing the the hinges on the cabinet doors and this older gentleman, very much older, he might not have known better, but he said, are you 
he might have been trying to make a joke, but he said to me, are you just here helping your daddy? And I remember thinking, like, first of all, what grown man says daddy? <laughs> but, <laughs> and then um, fuck off. Sec- and second of all, like, I, I stuck my head around the w- I stuck my head out and kind of looked around and there was no one else there. And I was like, no, oh, talking no, to me. Just, just me. Yeah. I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And he, he was, uh, I think he, he, maybe he was trying to make a joke, but I've definitely had some interesting comments like that, that, um, you know, aren't always fun to hear, but I try to just focus on the work and I've had other, I've had a lot of women tell me like, don't you think men will be intimidated by your profession? Like I wasn't ever going to find love or a husband. And I just responded with, you know, I don't think much of easily intimidated men and kind of walked away. Like I, <laughs> it, it's, there's been little, little comments like that here and there where people think um, it's so bizarre that I'm doing the work. And, and uh, I have a, a few friends that I always joke with, you know, when, they want to say that it's it's so impressive that a woman built something. I'm like, well, I didn't build it with my vagina. Now, if I did, <laughs> that would have been really impressive. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best quote. Oh my god, that's so funny. That, that's. But so I mean, I, you yeah. know, I am I am strong and I have hands like any other man. Like I mm-hmm. I can build things, and I don't have as much experience. And I am will be the first to admit that I have a lot to learn. Um, but I am as capable of as any other guy out yeah. in the shop. So, so it's, what do you, it's th- been interesting to kind of navigate those comments. Right. What do you think? Um, Cause I've struggled with this, with the podcast, like how to get, how to get that, that, that message out that women are capable. Like that's just all we're talking about. <laughs> they can fly airplanes. They can, yeah. I mean, they're astronauts. <laughs> it's, Why not carpentry? Like what? And so right? what do you it's, think the, the changes that needs to happen to get people to start going, Oh wow, you can actually make good money at this. And yeah. Oh wow. Like you can, you know, of course you could be an, like women are natural carpenters. Aren't men natural carpenters? Like what's the difference? Exactly. Like, <laughs> so it, I don't know that I have the right answer, but I think a lot of it is actually rooted in the fact that for the longest time, um, trades were, there's a stigma about it. And there was a stigma that people were only doing it because that's all they knew. You only, Mm -hmm. you didn't have an education. You only had a trade, but in our generation, that's different. I, I have an education. I have, you know, I've went to school twice and I'm choosing to do manual labor and I, I am choosing to learn the trade inside and out so that I'm prepared to maybe do something other than manual labor later down the road. Mm -hmm. But I think some of that stigma does come in the fact that people just assume it's really hard work and it is, and and that women don't want to do it. And And we do, I I don't know how to convince convince people that don't understand it, but that's something I have always leaned into jobs that were physically difficult Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I felt, you know, satisfied being able to, to use my body for a trade. And I remember feeling more sore at the end of the day, sitting behind a computer than, you know, eight to 10 hours on a job site. Yeah. Um, so it's so satisfying. You go home and you just know what you did. There's no question. Did I do something today? Like you just look over at the shop and you're like, Oh my God, I did that today. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. And and most of the women I know in the industry are just as, if not more capable than a lot of their, their coworkers because they have to be. Um, But, 
yeah, I think I, it shouldn't really be a novelty. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like in 2020 that a woman in a wood shop should be uh, bizarre, but a unicorn it still is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it, it is still, there's still not that many instances and, and I can, I can feel it when people are touring the shop and they want to come talk to me or I see them, I can see their eyes on me. It's like, it's weird to them. Yeah. And I just try to keep my head down at work because that's what I'm being paid to do. But mm-hmm. also, you know, I, I don't really want to make it about being a unicorn. I just want to make good work and I want to make things that last a lifetime for people. And, and that's just what I enjoy. And I guess trying to get more men to understand that women are, are capable and, and want to get their hands dirty is the first mm-hmm. step. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, we actually think, like it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And exposure. And that's part of the reason I have my Instagram, you know, you yeah. can't be what you can't see. Right. I, I don't know who originally said that, but I'm sure I'm, I'm misquoting somebody, but, uh, yeah. you know, just being able to see women in the trades. I wonder if I would be, uh, further along in my career, if I had seen more women or had, known of more opportunities earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, and luckily I work for a company that is very supportive now. And, um, I've definitely worked for people that weren't as, they didn't receive me as well as the company I work for now, but. And so when you say it like that, what is that like, what does that mean on in, in, in the actual interaction when you say they didn't receive it so people can kind of hear what that feels like to be on the receiving end? Like, what did they uh, say? A lot what of did, little, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, usually whoever hired me is, is receiving me well because they obviously saw that I was a woman when I came in. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's usually on an individual level with other either other coworkers or subs on a job site. And to have people say things to you while you're carrying things in, while you're just trying to do your job or have people uh, direct questions at your male coworkers Mm -hmm. that don't know what, you know, if they're not involved in the project that uh, having the answers and then not listening to you, listening to them is one of those ways that I've had a lot of people ask my coworkers, you know, what something is or how they built it and they'll direct them to me you know, and say, well, Katie actually built that. And they'll be like, oh, but then they will still ask all their questions to the men in the room. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's just, um, that's what it looks like sometimes. And sometimes it's just, it's kind of uh, not, not to sound weird, but it's just a weird vibe. I mean, even at the school I went to, I had a lot of male classmates that just alienated me mm-hmm. and it wasn't something outright it wasn't like they were telling me you don't belong here get out of here but it was you know they excluded me from things they they wouldn't talk to me they wouldn't answer my questions things like that and these were young kids that just didn't know better but um I've also had that happen on job sites mm-hmm. and it's frustrating but yeah and it's 2020 yeah. Like it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't 1960. Yeah. Right. So and it's I'm, still I'm not happening. The first woman to show up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, that's the uh, exact same experience I had, but you know, worse 25 years ago. And it's still shocking to me that that's still literally happening. And yeah. And I don't work for myself. So I'm usually with a yeah. team of people. I, I couldn't imagine 
being the business owner and having to deal with that. That would it's actually better. It's actually better. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll explain why. So one of the reasons why when I was in the union and, and training to be a carpenter and then worked for a bunch of people, the ultimately the reason why I actually started my company, because I was loved that work and I would have stayed there and, and, and I don't consider myself like an employee basically, but I would have, cause I love the job. But the whole reason mm-hmm. I left was because I realized I had so much more power owning the company. And so that's the exact reason why I, I left the places I worked was because I realized if I owned my own business, I could hire the people I wanted. I could work with the kinds of clients that I wanted. And so I had complete control over that experience. Um, and so it was better because I, I just eliminated yeah. people. Uh, it's another reason I stopped working for builders. I originally, when I started the cabinet shop, I had, I did, did a lot of contracts with local builders and I would build, you know, I was a sub for them to do the kitchen in the full house, right. Or the subdivision. Mm-hmm. And I did that many, many times. And I just got so sick of the crap that I had to deal with them, you know, deliberately yeah. parking their trucks. So I didn't have access you know, deliberately being dicks to me and making me, you know, walk 30 times farther to carry cabinets in just thing after thing. And, um, so finally I said, okay, fine, I'll just stop. I'll just cut the builders completely out and I'll just go directly to the homeowners. And that's what I did. That's when I created, that's when I only started basically working with women, the wives of the houses. And I created a marketing plan to do that. And that solved that problem. So, yeah. Um, because I, those women highly respected me and were interested, the moms, right, of the house. And so I didn't have to deal with the builders. So, yeah, it's. I do find that I get a lot, a lot better. I'm, I'm much better received by, um, female clients. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that I haven't been well received by male clients, but I've, I had a lot more direct conversations with female clients. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time, I don't actually get to interact with, I'm usually in the workshop. Sometimes I'm on site installing and some, I do have some client correspondence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only thing that I, I would say that I'm not 100% happy about in my, my current setup is because I feel so connected to the work that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, you know, uh, each piece is important to me. I kind of want to have that more of a client relationship mm-hmm. because it's something that they get to enjoy every day. And, and sometimes I'm a little bit removed from that process, yeah. but I am being, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be brought into that process, at least of client correspondence and having some face-to-face time to talk with the clients about what they want mm-hmm. this past year, I guess I've, I've started doing more of that. And uh, that's been really rewarding because it's always nice to be able to put a face with the people that are getting something that you've poured your heart into. Right. And, and maybe if you, you know, you can ask your boss like, Hey, I really love this part. You know, can I do more Mm -hmm. installations? Can I be a part of this more? I mean, that's part of, you know, that's just part of asking sort of for what you want on a job, which is always hard. (laughs) Right. It is, but I've been lucky to have, to be well received when I've gone to my employers about that. So they sound like an awesome company experience. Yeah. Yeah. They really are great place to work. Um, so, okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you kind of your plans for the future and maybe, you know, what, what what would you like to see happen maybe in the next couple of years with your training or with, um, you know, just your work as a carpenter and like what you're doing? Are you yeah. excited about something new? Like, 
Well, I think right now I am, I'm still in a place where I'm trying to learn as much as I can, because like I said, I came into this later on in life. I have a lot of people that are encouraging me to start my own business. And, um, I'm not saying that I won't do that at some point. I think I have a little bit more to learn and a little bit more, a lot more to learn and a lot more to grow. Um, I struggle with, you know, the risk of taking on your own business and what that means. Um, cause at the end of the day, I like making sawdust mm-hmm. and <laughs> as, as I'm being brought into more responsibilities in my job now, the more administrative type work that I'm having to do, I'm like, I have to kind of keep reminding myself, like I was, I was trying to get out from behind a computer, right. <laughs> but I know that that's all part of it. So a lot of the times my job is split these days between some design, some client correspondence, some budgeting, trying to get the logistics. So I'll, I'm using that as an opportunity to kind of learn um, how to do business while I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the job and the other half time I'm I'm still in the shop. So I'm kind of getting both sides of the coin Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to decide when would be the right time. And if that's something that I want to take on, if I have the emotional energy to take on starting my own business, but I would say that at some point, that is a goal of mine. I'm just trying to figure out how best to do that and when best to do that. Yeah. Cool. Well, we always like to end the show generally with asking a couple of silly questions okay, <laughs> or just fun questions. Um, so what's, uh, when are you most productive? Oh, um, in the morning. Okay. Um, I'd say as soon as I get in, I like to kind of hurl myself into the day and have a plan mm-hmm. the night before of what I'm doing. And I, it's just kind of an inertia thing. I, I try to let it carry me throughout the day. I would say if I'm able to get in as early as possible, the first half of the day is the most productive for me. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, what's your favorite animal? Dog, 100%. Okay, and what, what breed? <laughs> um, well, I have an Australian cattle dog, so I'm okay. partial to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love all the working and herding breeds. They're so smart and they're so, they're, they're easy to train and they're loving and loyal and, um, yeah, they're, they're com- just great dogs. Yeah. Um, and then what about your favorite tool? Oh, whew. Or, favorite you, or tool. like your top three. Hmm, we're talking hand tools, power it, tools. It could um, be, I've got like five, which are a combo of hand and power, but you can be it's, you know, and it's I like love, the more specific, the better. So the brand, yeah. the exact style. I love my chisels. I love my, I have a Lee Nielsen block plane. I think that's the, I, I can't, I haven't quite been able to afford a large Lee Nielsen collection yet, mm-hmm. but um, I have been able to use one of their panel hand saws uh, one time at the school and I love it. I loved it. It okay. was wonderful. But my chisels, I, right now I really just have a, a set of wood river chisels. That was all I could afford as a student. And they're still serving me well. They're, you know, not top of the line or anything, but they, uh, they get me, get me through it. I think I listened to one of y'all's episodes where, where everyone was raving about the fat max mm-hmm. tape measure. Yeah. I, I also love the fat max. My only complaint is it's a little heavy. Like I find that it doesn't want to say like, Oh, the 16 foot. 
maybe I've only had the twenty five foot. Oh, the twenty five is horrible. You can't. Yeah, you yeah. Can't use... It's it's a little. Oh, it's I find so that heavy. It doesn't want to stay hooked. It wants to yeah, fall. Yeah, no. Like, there goes. You know. It's yeah, the twenty five is good if you do like framing. Like if you do large scale stuff. Yeah. But the sixteen is perfect because most everything you're doing is to scale, and it's all. Yeah. It's all under sixteen oh, feet. I'll have like, to give that a shot. Oh, it just it's it's half the weight. Like it's just it's, it's yeah. It's been uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that, but it's all been people that have a tape measure on them some of the time or mm-hmm. nearby. Whereas I, when I get into the shop, I immediately have at least two pencils in my hair, which I'm teased about a yes. lot. <laughs> but uh, I always have pencils in my. I immediately put pencils in my hair and I put my tape measure on, and yeah. you know I usually have a sharpie that I clip to my my shirt. So like. I want something that's light and isn't going to fall a bunch. So I'll have to try out the 16 foot. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a market difference. Cause my husband has the 25 and, and I just, well, one, most of my work is under, I don't need it, the length, but it's also just, it's bigger and it's so much heavier. And the 16 is just yeah. like a dream. So, um, yeah. the other thing is, have you tried the stiletto, um, 10 ounce framing hammer yet? It's not framing hammer, sorry. 10 ounce finish hammer from stiletto. I haven't, but uh, I have also talked to several people that rave about that. It is yeah, life-changing. I, I don't have um, so light. a huge... I know that some people have real uh, brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the best set of tools, and I haven't invested in the best of everything yet. Well, I'm it's just only slowly... $100. It's literally... Only $100. It's, okay. it's $100, and you will just you will use it all day long for tapping and shifting and lifting. And yeah. it just becomes like an extension of your of your arm. It's so short Good. and so light, but yet it's... Um, I, I just love it. Like, it's... I use it all the time, and I'm not framing walls, right? Um, so I think yeah. you'll... I think you'll see what, I, what I'm talking about, but... Um, yeah, I think some of my other favorites, I have a Starrett um, Combo Square that has lasted longer than all the other ones I had before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, a mallet that I turned that I think is just something that everyone should have just a wooden mallet. Hmm. Um, and then as far as shop stuff, we have, I, I really enjoy having the saw stop. I've never had it triggered and I've never mm-hmm. had an issue with it, but knowing that it would is a little bit of peace of mind. And we have a really powerful um, chop saw an Omga. Hmm. that I think it's a German uh, chop saw, but it's, it's heavy duty. It's, it, it will, it will cut through quite a bit. Yeah. I've seen some of your, I've seen a few of your shop things that you have that are like, you can tell they're sort of real old school stuff. Um, yeah. And some of that stuff works better. I mean, I have mostly almost a hundred percent Festool now, but oh, uh, yeah. in the shop, but I do have a, like a couple of very small, like furniture nail guns that my dad gave me from, I don't even know. They're so old. Oh my God. They work. So they're just beautiful. They just work so good. They're yeah. so heavy and mechanical, but they're little and I don't mean like physically heavy, but just like the way they're made is so different from, you know, modern tools. So yeah, uh, tools yeah. are tools, tools are incredible. So, well, and that's one of the things. Like working for a larger company, I get to access mm-hmm. the whole wood shop of stuff that they. You know, we have several festivals. The festival track saw is amazing. Mm, love it. Um, I I like the XL uh, festival domino. I call it Fats Domino, yep. and nobody ever laughs at that joke. Oh no, but... I totally get it. I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't have her yet. I have the regular one, but I I would definitely do the XL. But she's. That's just yeah. like revolutionary. We actually just got a mortiser though. So we've been kind of transitioning away from hmm. the XL Domino to a mortiser. Um, 
So that's been fun. Is that just so it's so it's not handheld, or what's the reason? Yeah, for that? Uh, the you can kind of um, it's a little less wear on the machine. Like some of the stuff that we do, we're mm-hmm. having to bore hundreds of mortises, and that's oh, okay. just. It's, it's kind of, it's a lot of wear on your arm and Mm -hmm. the machine and the bit. And, um, sometimes the mortiser can be a little bit more accurate and it just kind of streamlines for production. You know, we're doing 50 shutters and they each have six mortises on each style. It's, it's, it kind of helps you streamline that process a little bit. It's like a pocket holder, right? An automatic pocket holder. It's just, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we sure appreciate all your experience and your stories and just, you know, just your openness to talk about the sort of harder stuff in the industry. And just, um, we just really appreciate you being on the show. Such a good story. Oh, and we you love so much your for work. Having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. I am in uh, such incredible company. I've, I've heard some of the other episodes you've done with women in trades. And I was so honored to be asked to be a part of this. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Mm -hmm.